So, in a very special edition of Soundtracking in partnership with the EE BAFTAs, we're joined by all five of the nominees for the EE BAFTA Rising Star Award. They are, in no particular order, Daniel Kaluuya, Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet, Tessa Thompson and Josh O'Connor. As well as getting to know about them all as actors and individuals, we'll also be interspersing score and source music from their films in the usual way and finding out about their tastes. I should mention that there's a little bit of choice language along the way too. So without further ado, let's begin our introduction to some of the finest young acting talent at work in the world with Daniel Kaluuya, whose countenance of terror in Jordan Peele's Get Out is one of the defining cinematic images of 2017. The film is scored by Michael Abels and we kick things off with Siki Lisa Kwa Wahenyi, his main title's composition. Welcome to Soundtracking. Flipping pleasure. And it's really funny, what's really nice recently is I did an interview with Denis Villeneuve. Oh, man. Um, which guy, allowed man. me the pleasure of rewatching Sicario a couple of times. And it's funny because I was talking to someone about you after I'd watched it, and you're a bit of a scene stealer, I think. You're so memorable. Oh, and this person I was telling me, oh, God, yeah, I don't know why, but this film, Get Out, has really, really made people pay attention to you. Must be a wonderful feeling. Uh, it's nice. Or I don't know. It's nice. It's <laughs> nice. I mean, I think I had that feeling on opening weekend because I was in Atlanta and going, I wasn't crazy. That's all it was. It was like, because everything about the film on paper, you kind of go, this could go wrong. But I think I'd watch it. <laughs> and I, I think my friends would watch it. So it just feels like I'm not crazy. That image as well that's everywhere of you, of that in the armchair and that yeah. kind of that terrified look on your face. It's such a powerful image and it's absolutely everywhere. Was that the scene that you auditioned? Yes. I did that and then the scene on the lake. Okay. I did those two scenes in the audition. That was the scene when I did it the first time and Jordan was like, he's got to pop to the cast director. And then I was like... Straight away? Straight. And on my first, I had two takes of each scene and on the first take of the first scene, he was like, got, he's got to pop. Whoa. And then, so I was kind of like, ah. Because <laughs> I've heard horror stories from other people about people that got issue, 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 and then yeah. structure and execs and yeah. just life. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. And so you didn't, I didn't know what I was stepping into, so I didn't want to get my hopes because I love the script. Yeah. I didn't want to feel like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. 
who say and then I did another take. He was like, it's yours. I was like, who say? Yeah. Yeah. And he kept on me, it's yours. Um, so uh, for me, it's kind of weird because it's just like, when you're doing it, you're just doing it. Yeah. And then now it's the image that's the thing. I mean, Jordan said that to me one time. It's like, it's amazing how that's the image of the film. in triple figures yet for the nominations? Oh, man. <laughs> I've zoned out of it, which is which is the most bougiest comment ever. Because I've zoned out of the nominations. It's like, oh, it's no, just no, no, just so many <laughs> nominations, darling. Uh, uh, yeah, no, um, it's, it's crazy. And with this one, with the Rising Star one, it's voted for by the public, yeah. and this film has really connected. Yeah. And that's nice to know that it's given back to the audience to, it's what is, to get behind it's it. Do it. So I watched Get Out in Atlanta in the paying in the hood. So I was like, because like I feel like we're supposed to watch it with people that pay. If we're making films for people that pay to watch cinema, we, yeah. we watch it with them. Have you done that with all your films? Yeah, I did it. Johnny English people. I went to yes. Wood Green. I went to Wood Green because oh, I used to that. always go there Wood Green because it's like three pound cinema. Yeah. So he's, I went with all my people. I went to Wood Green and shit. Uh, Sicario. I wasn't here. I wasn't in London when it came out. So yeah. I missed that. Uh, I've done it most of, most of the films. I, yeah. go, I go and watch it with the people if I'm there and if my friends are there. Because yeah. I want to watch it with my friends. Yeah. So if I'm by myself in like LA, I'm like, I'm not going to just go watch it myself. <laughs> oh, I'm so committed to the craft and target audiences. Uh, and no, it's a, so uh, yeah, so I've. I yeah. do things that I want it to connect to, because mm -hmm. I'm living my normal life. I'm not like, I'm just living my life. I go around Camden, I go around West Coast. Uh, I'm just living my life. And I, I, I live my life around people that I've grown, grown up with. So yeah, I make films for them. Do you yeah. mean? And, and I don't feel like you should sacrifice cinematic quality in order for it to appeal to an audience. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I feel there's always a compromise in that sense. And so I, I call it accessible excellence. No, like you can make it for the man them, like people on road. Like the Sicario was that was like ah oh, this is like a gangster film, but it's like <laughs> Roger Deakins like, it's like do you mean it's like you, that's crazy. I watched a really lovely uh, little chat that you did with uh, Timothy Chalamet where yeah. the two of you kind of sat and just chatted. It was really lovely yeah, to watch. He's a G man. I love that guy. Um, man. He's so cool man. He knew so who Gigs was and so that made me happy. Trap for that. Man got the cash for that. Cash for that. Cash for that. Man's with them OG riders. Man got a mash for that. Man got a high grade grab that. Right there from the rust of man. He's like, yo, and I'm are you up that? I'm right there, had to bust the man. Man's really been there, done that. Man's got a cap for that. But that's my OG rider. Man's got his back for that. Man quickly called up Sag quick. He said, man's got the pack for that. Beep beep got the M16 text. And man's got the crack for that. Well, this is a thing. I also read your top tunes of 2017. That's amazing. Good list. You got Ruler by Gigs in there, J Huss in there, Stormzy. Really good list. Thank you. And it really comes across how important music is to you from your comments and what you write about. Why? Why did you say that? Because you really relate it to the experience. You really think about lyrics and how yeah. lyrics relate to situations, yeah. whether that's going on in your life or in people yeah. around you. So music was so important to me this year because I was away from London so much. It was like, I was, not like I was, probably was homesick. So I was like, I would just end up in a UK rap YouTube pit. 
which is, I don't think that term has ever been said before. But uh, but yeah, I was watching a video of dying. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a book. Uh, and yeah, so it's, I was just like, so like stuff that reminds me of, because I think London and England and Britain are going for an amazing moment right now. So I just think it, find it so exciting that people are doing stuff. And, but I've always thought that when I went to, I go to New York back in the day and I was like, why don't London see themselves as, as what Londoners see themselves as world beaters? Yeah, man had to open shop. Man was a trap star, bad man. Man had the poker dots. Man was a rascal, madman. Out there with the poker shots. Link Steve at the anchor pub. Link Mike at the sofa shop. Man had to kick the door. Man wasn't supposed to knock. Man had them real numb riders. Man wasn't supposed to mop. Man coming through street sweeping. Man wasn't supposed to mop. So man can just tweet, keep tweeting to man get a culture shot. Man got a culture shot. Yeah, man got an open top. Man hit up you, friends, drivers. Man's got his chauffeur popped. Man better scope the clock. Eating, man better scope the guap. Man want your food, cereal, everything. Man want your cocoa pops. Yeah, man's got the map for that. Man, this the Moji riders. The man's coming back for man. Steamrolling, yeah, man's been a trap to gang. I get bands and it's back to plans. What man couldn't chat to man? Super, super. Yeah, man's on a super swoop. Yeah, and so shit. But man's got the blooper scoop. King Cooper. Man's in the Cooper troops. Send the Uber. Quick. Man's got a move to scoop. But yeah, I love I love music. It makes me happy. I love going to gigs, and I like finding artists before they have a Wikipedia page. Wow, how'd you do that? Because I just go on like a SoundCloud hunt. I just like new stuff, and I oh I'll follow a DJ. If I go to a rave, I, I like a DJ because I like their taste. Yeah. And I follow them on Mixcloud or on SoundCloud, and they'll post stuff or Twitter, and they post stuff. They like this, and I'll listen to it. Go, oh, I like it too, because shared. And then I'll be like, oh, I don't even know. Let's go see them at Oslo in Hackney. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, there's, like, 20 people here. I'm like, they're so amazing. And yeah. then seeing them become, like, I saw that in Subtract. Oh, Subtract wow. had this song, Living Like I Do. Yeah. I think one extra played it. And then, like, it was like, no one knew the song. And I was like, this song's amazing. And then, like, we went, me and my people went, we went to Coachella, like, time ago. Wow. And then they had this little tent, like, and there was, like, probably six people there. And they had this one song. And then, like, but they were doing a DJ set. And I was like, these guys are amazing. I was like, this, and then my boy, my boy Demps, who was like, oh, yeah, no, like, they're proper, they're proper, yeah? Time. Oh, time. Got sucked into a culture, living like you do. Spending by the hour, living like you do. Can't make ends meet, living like you do. This life will turn you sober, living like I do. The tension builds, as the tension builds, as the tension builds, as the tension builds, as the tension Staring out my window with some 
and then a year later went Coachella again and they had a massive tent and they filled it out it's like seeing that I just find it really rewarding because then it's about oh I just like this song yeah and I try and apply that with like film in how I make scripts yeah I just like this yeah do you mean and hopefully other people like but it makes me stand by my decisions because it's like well I liked it it may not work, have worked but I like it do the two complement each other as well in any way do you use music for work at all in terms of I write space and I write so I listen to chopped and screwed music I listen I get my favorite albums it has to be an R&B album because rap chopped and screwed is is still too busy mm-hmm. but like oh like a Frank Ocean album yeah yeah I'll get it chopped and screwed it's like this Houston music where they slow it down yeah 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 and then like and then they chop and screw it and then this guy OG Ron C and the chop stars yeah and they slow it down yeah and then it just makes me think it just goes chop stars Something slow down Frank Ocean's Long Color Purple The markings on your surface Your speckled face Crystals hang from your ears I could get your I can't relate to my peers Do you know who introduced me to Chopped and Screwed? Um, the director of Moonlight. Because he's from... Barry Jenkins is from... He's from Florida, I think. Yeah. That's it. It's amazing. I, it's one of my favourite things ever. Like, I, just, I, I get all... Like, say, if they will just remix all that, like, I'll get older Leah songs. Oh, wow. Older Leah songs, Chopped and Screwed, are amazing because she has this tone that's so cool and then you kind of go, oh, man, and it's just slow. You're like, oh, Leah, man. <laughs> to my soul, man. And then, yes, and then I, I write and stuff. But in terms of reading scripts, now.
scripts for fun. I learned that from your chat with Timothy. Yeah. Like, you'll get a script and you'll read Ferris Bueller's Day Off or yeah. something. I love that. I wanted to do writing again because I wrote an episode of Skins at 18 yeah. and I was like, how the fuck did I do that? <laughs> I was there and I was like, what the fuck was I on? Like, <laughs> but I realised that I was exposed to like Jack Fawn or Lucy Kirkwood yeah. or Ben Schiff or Jamie Britton or Brian Nosey. I was exposed to these scripts. I was reading these drafts. I was like, oh, that's how I learned. So I was like, let me read my favourite films. And in that process, I was like, it's enjoyable to read Inglourious Bastards. I find it hard to find books that I like because I'm just not in that scene. But in films, I know what I like. Mm -hmm. Me, I want to understand why I like it. Because when you understand why you like it, you understand yourself. So when you understand yourself, then when like a script comes and you're reading it, it goes, I don't like it because of this, 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 that. So you'll feel like you're doing it for a reason that's justified. But the hardest bit is when you're doing it for like a reason that it's just random. Like yeah. it just that's when I get nervous when I'm like, I'm just it's a guess, I'm just throwing it. And so I just read my favourite films and then I'll read my favourite writers and then I go, Oh, this script doesn't work. Why? They're not rubbish. Like, but it's something, why doesn't it work? That teaches me about my writing. And it all goes in and it speaks to me and it just, it's like osmosis. It's about training the subconscious. Yeah. And so then when you do things, you don't know where it's coming from, but you've built this kind of like thing underneath and you go, oh, it's just random, but it's an hours game. I love that you're, you're into all this. You're like, you know, you mentioned Deacons as well. You, that's important to you. Creative team behind it, not well, just, I'm just know. a part. I'm just the acting department. That's all it is. Really, because I've been on set and you kind of go, oh, I'm just the acting department, that's the lighting department. They're the greatest. There's like, it's, you're just a department, but what happens is to sell the film, they push you. It's just if you believe that push. Yeah. If you believe that yeah, I, do, yeah. I am worthy of this push. Someone said this actor said to me, an amazing actor, Nigel Lindsay, he said to me, he was like, I did a play at 21. He's like, you know when you're going crazy when it's raining on set and you think the umbrella's for you and not your costume? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, you you get to learn. You go, I did this play Sucker Punch, yeah? And I found out about the 80s and race rights in the 80s and stuff like that. And I go, stuff that happened down the road, people that I know that were part of it. And you're like, that I grew up with just randomly. Yeah. You're just learning all this stuff that school doesn't let you choose what you learn. But you get to learn. That's what I'm trying to say, it's your genre. Yeah. So you're leading it in stuff that's a part of you anyway. Yeah. And you get to learn more about it. I want to see you play a musician <laughs> in a film. Yeah, I think that would just be amazing. Uh, I I love it. So music is something for me that I just find fascinating. Cause I used to sing and I used to like play guitar and then I kind of I pissed off my teacher. But you I, can I still play surely. I can, but it's like I kind of like that I don't do it. And yeah. I, I, cause film I can see the nuts and bolts. Uh -huh. But with that, I can, unless it's an excellent film and then I get lost. But in with music, I can just appreciate a shit song. <laughs> You know what I mean? And there's a lot of them around. There's like. a lot of them, amazing. And you go, this is really shit. And it's like, oh, and like, why is it? Like, you just go, oh, and it doesn't it doesn't bother you. A shit film fucking stresses me out. <laughs> stresses me the fuck out. Oh, a sh I know, a shit short film is cool. Not like short film, man, a short film. But a shit long film, mate, that pisses me off. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. Um, Daniel, absolute pleasure chatting you. to you. Um, I wish you all the luck of the world with these. Cheers. Multiple, 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 multiple award nominations that you yeah. quite really have for Get Out and exciting times ahead. Thank Cheers, you. Thank, Thank you much.
From the soundtrack to Get Out, that's Redbone by Childish Gambino. Concluding our chat with Daniel Kaluuya, what a hugely entertaining fellow he is. We also featured cues from Michael Abel's excellent score for the film throughout the course of the conversation, which is available via Backlot Music. The next of our EE BAFTA Rising Star nominees is Florence Pugh, who garnered rave reviews for her leading role in the period drama with a dark modern twist, Lady Macbeth. Directed by William Aldroyd, it tells the story of a woman stuck in a loveless marriage to a man twice her age who embarks on an affair and has also been nominated in the categories of Outstanding British Film and Debut Films. Lady Macbeth features very little score with sound design central to setting the brooding atmosphere. Nevertheless, composer Dan Jones was kind enough to send us his cues from the film to give you an audio illustration of the tone. Florence Pugh, welcome to Soundtracking, and first of all, congratulations on lots of things. <laughs> awards you've already won, yeah. awards you're nominated for, and this is a nice one, I think, the EE Rising Star, because the public vote for it. Mm-hmm. And this film, Lady Macbeth, released quite a while ago, but it's still been talked about. Mm-hmm. It's still yes. been celebrated, and yeah. so much of that is down to you, so congratulations. Oh, God, I can't take all of it. <laughs> take a big, chunky slice of it, oh, please no. do, because you deserve it. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been a hell of a couple of years. We made it about two years ago. Wow. So, yeah, people are still talking about it, and people are still wanting to ask questions, and that's just really exciting. How did you come to the project, first of all? Uh, well, Shaheen, who is basically my angel in the industry, <laughs> Shaheen Baig casted uh, Lady Macbeth. She also casted my first film, and she met me when I was 17, and I did this leaflet audition for Karen Morley's film, The Falling, Falling which yeah. I ended up then getting. So Shaheen sorted me out with an agent and all of that malarkey. And over the years, she's tried to get me into auditions just to a teach me the format. Well, I don't know, but she's got me in to meet some amazing people, and she's always been there trying to get you know my next thing or yeah. you know whatever. She's got her eyes open to getting me something interesting. And then uh, over the summer two years ago, I was on my way to Isle of Wight because my siblings were filming a short film, and I because obviously it was made on basically no money because, you know, who has money to fund their own short film? <laughs> um, I, I offered to be the catering team. So as we were on the hovercraft over <laughs> um, to Isle of Wight, I was writing down the shopping list and I get this call from my agent. And I'm like, oh, God, I think, I swear I did say I was going away and this is, like, so typical. Or not that you're going away, but, you know, you get a call on a boat and you're like, no, what (laughs) could this mean? And I remember her saying, where are you right now? And I was like, ah, I'm on a a, a boat. She was like, oh, why? I was like, well, I'm going to go do do some catering in Isle of Wight. She said, okay, well, darling, I've got a script for you that um, Shaheen has sent through and she really wants you to read it and preferably, ideally, have it ready by tomorrow. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, tomorrow. And I was like, um, all right, well, what, what is it for? And she's like, Lady Macbeth. And I'm like, oh, my God. Not <laughs> only is it, like, for tomorrow, but Shakespeare. I've got to prepare Shakespeare in yeah. one evening. How is this? Thanks, Shaheen. <laughs> um, so then I go over the other side. I make them all lunch. And then I basically have to catch a bus and a, I mean, a boat and a, and a train and a bus again home. And I'm learning these sides. And I'm like... I mean, this isn't Shakespeare, but maybe they're doing like a modern twist, I don't Mm -hmm. know. And I went to the audition (laughs) 
two days before I, I, I got the audition, I got cornrows put in my hair, like just three really neat plaits, okay? And it was the trend at the time. <laughs> and I, I was in this stage of like, I was so annoyed with always having to not do cool stuff with my look because of auditions that yeah. I was like, you know what? It's my summer holidays. Yeah, I'm going with the cornrows. I'm going to keep the cornrows. I just got them. They cost me, you know, 15 bloody quid yeah. and like a five or a plat. <laughs> no, I'm not going to take it out for a part that obviously I'm not going to get because I've only prepared an evening for. And then I went in and Will to this day still takes the piss out of me for wearing cornrows to a period for <laughs> <laughs> audition. <laughs> And I had a, a, um, a turtleneck crop top on, I think with my belly out and my belly piercing out as well, and a high-waisted skirt. And I did this audition and I didn't... I, lo I loved Catherine. I thought she was wicked. Yeah. But simply because I didn't feel like I'd prepared enough or that, you know, it was such a big deal, I didn't think it went down. Also, um, I didn't think I'd impressed Will enough. And so I was, like, a bit gutted because I'd only met this, this character for an evening. And I was like, oh, this is heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I got up and it was so hot and I was just, like, sweating buckets from nerves and just from the heat oh. of summer. And I remember thinking, well, I've blown that one. And then literally two, three days later, I get a call from my agent again says, they loved you. I was like, no. Oh, wow. No, clearly... They've offered the job to someone else <laughs> and uh, it's fallen through. They're like, no, 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 they loved you. And I was like, oh my God, okay, wow, I need to read the script. So sent over the script, fell in love with her mm. even more. She was just incredible. And then I realised that it wasn't Shakespeare. My father bought you along with a piece of land not fit enough for a cow to graze upon. You will remain indoors with your prayer book. I like the fresh air. I like being outside. Take it off. Your nightdress, take it off. Face the wall. Face the wall! Where is my husband gone? Away. To do what? Nothing for you to concern yourself with. You'll be on your own for a while. You must be anticipating the return of your husband. I must. It is not good to be without company for too long, I think. I lost! I understand you've been taking the air lately. Perhaps a little more time spent indoors will do. Do you love me? Of course. Do you adore me? Of course. Through hell and high water, I will follow you. You're home. You've acted so very shamelessly. So very stupidly, you will never see that man again. It wasn't handed to me. It didn't come easy. I did have to work a little bit for it. Well, a lot for it. You have to work for every audition. The um, accent's great. Thank you. Yeah, really, I tried yeah, really yeah. hard at that. I really like accents. I do. I like how you can kind of just blend into an accent when you're hanging out with that person. I've always done that. I remember when I was a kid hanging out with this Australian girl who was a year younger than me and she had this really strong Australian accent and I was hanging out with her and her family and I just started doing it thinking that they wouldn't notice that I was doing an Australian accent <laughs> and she I don't know why but she was allowed to say shit she was allowed to say horse shit mm -hmm. and we were like six seven and I remember her going around like oh dad look at this horse shit 
And I'd be like, yeah, look at this horse shit. <laughs> I wouldn't know why I was saying it. And then I went, I went back to this other, my family friends who I was staying with. I was like, oh, look at this horse shit. And they were like, what did you just say? I was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I'm really sorry. I've just been hanging up with this really cool Australian girl who's a year younger than me. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> So I feel like that, to me, I do, I do, I love listening and trying to hold on to an accent. So all of us were the same. We were all the same yeah. with Lady Macbeth. We all wanted to take the accent really, really seriously. It says quite a lot about her, I think. Not yeah. just the accent, but the kind of gruffness of her delivery as mm -hmm. well and how you've done that. Totally, like her in this really posh dress and actually she talks just like the men. All of us took that really seriously and... Um, Classically, we didn't actually have a... Well, we had a, a dialect coach for, for one session. That's just typical with films. Like, <laughs> it was always last minute, and you always get, like, this really important lesson the day before that you do <laughs> the actual shoot. Anyway, we, we basically just went around shops and asked people how they said things. I remember catching a cab with um, Cosmo at, like, 10 o'clock at night to go to Sainsbury's because we ran out of gin. And uh, <laughs> it was our treat every evening because we'd be doing these big rehearsals and because we needed to get these accents down. We would basically have a G&T and just talk. We'd just try and get these accents out Fantastic. and be pissed whilst doing it because we needed to be. Because it's, it is to throw yourself at an accent and you also need other people there saying, no, that's wrong. Yeah. And that's really difficult. And you can always hear when it's slightly wrong, but you need someone to go, I actually don't think it's that. I think it's please don't or, you know, yeah. mushroom or berry. And so we would just get drunk because that would be so much easier to do it that way. And so we were on the way to Sainsbury's and I remember Cosmo sitting in the front with the, with the cabbie and uh, basically saying, how do you say that? How do you say that? How do you say that? And just pointing out things and he would say it, but this guy had a different accent because he lived five minutes down the road. So it was like, we had to figure out where we wanted to be from. Yeah. And then we all kind of started sounding the same anyway, which was wicked. You know I shan't be parted from your life, Sebastian. Through hell and high water, I will follow you. To the cross, to the prison, to the grave, to the, the sky. sky. I'd rather stop you breathing than have you doubt how I feel. It's such a quiet film, both in terms of, you know, the script and the sound of the environment. It's really peaceful. Mm. Do you use music at all? In terms of your of, of kind of like getting ready characters for it. and roles um, and definitely once I've done a film there would have been an album or a couple of artists that I've listened to and then for the rest of time if I listen to it I go oh yeah that's that <laughs> but I don't specifically buy music to get into the, I mean maybe I should no I I, I don't really that I like that notion of there being an artist or an album that reminds you of yeah, that time no, totally, of being a character totally I'm trying to think of uh, Lady Max. Lady Max was, I mean, really depressing, but <laughs> go on. Keaton Henson. Oh, yeah. Teach me how to love you like I wrote And say it like I mean it when I don't Teach me how to hold you Squeezing too damn tight and causing harm I'll learn not to look at you with scorn Oh, if you promise to never have been born Teach me how to 
amazing. I saw him do a thing at uh, Letters Live, actually. Nice. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. In like this really old, something to do with the Masons. Oh, wow. In London. So it was like something out of like Eyes Wide Shut or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of like grandeur. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good choice. What about for Abby in The Fallen? Um, is there anything around that? You think of that? Oh, it was um, <laughs> Alt J. I know, nice. I know. Well, uh, basically, breeze blocks. She may contain the yards to run away, but out of town with soggy clothes and breeze blocks. Stitching of fevers creep me again. Never kisses, or ever send a whole stop. La, 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 la. Do you know where the world is going? They go on all the day, no heart in need. La, 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 la. Way down I we build a breakfast now. Let's see my love, my love, 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 la, 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 la. gave me and the girls like a little playlist that she made of all the songs that came out in 1969 in that time. So all of them were the ones that we listened to. They are all in my memory and lots of them are on the on the play on Yeah, on the, the soundtrack, yeah. Soundtrack, yeah. It's your thing. Uh, <laughs> what do you, you want to do? do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your thing. Because that's the album that I bought and I was listening to at the time. Yeah. And so that's, I go, oh, that's what I was listening to. I love Taro from that album. Totally. China, Gappa, Jump Street, two feet creep up the road. Two photos to record me, Lums and War. The advances does his chance,
What are we going to see you in next? Oh, I don't know. You know, the funny thing is, is people keep on asking me and they're like, what have you seen that looks good? And I go, I haven't seen anything since Lady Macbeth. I've done a nice little handful of stuff, but I haven't seen any of it. Yeah. So there is potential that it's all awful. There is potential for that. Um, but I'm... I'm trying to get as many out, uh, um, like do them, whack yeah. them out before any of them can be seen, so that uh, <laughs> I've worked as much as I can. Um, I, the next thing that will be coming out is The Commuter. Yes. Liam uh, Neeson yeah. running on a train. Yeah. All um, about commuting. Vera. Yes, Famigas. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, saying that's all right. I don't know if I've said it right, <laughs> but I'm hoping. I love her to pieces. <laughs> and then after that, the next one will probably be Fighting With My Family. Oh, fantastic. Steve yeah. Merchant. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. wait for this. Neither can I. I haven't seen it he, yet. He really surprises me, Stephen Merchant, as a person when he was in Logan. And it's like, Christ, you're amazing. Mm. He was so great in so that. So interesting. Yes, yeah, so brilliant. Such an interesting face. And I'm so excited to see this. Yeah, no, so am I. I'm really excited. And um, I think the, the one thing that's so wonderful about it, it's about wrestling. And it's like a happy mixture of... Uh, it, looks, it just looks like a really funny sports film. Like a beautiful, funny sports yeah. film. And a lot of people are going to go and see that. Because I hope so. So many people I put in a love. lot of hard work for it. <laughs> I actually even hurt my foot really oh, badly. <laughs> I also love the fact that because of the recognition that... Lady Macbeth's still getting mm. quite rightly so it means that more and more people are going to see that film yeah, and no, I'm really totally. excited for, for totally. people to and people that wouldn't necessarily come across Lady Macbeth if they enjoy Fighting My Family then it would be really great for them to do a bit of googling yeah, and totally. go oh there's another badass but in a different century <laughs> exactly if yeah. you liked Paige from yeah. Fighting With My Family <laughs> you might like hop on over to Lady Macbeth <laughs> Florence, absolute pleasure chatting to you. Lovely thank you to so you. Thank much. You. Cheers. Of course, thank thank you. you.
Bad, bad old days by the foundations from the soundtrack to the falling which marked Florence Pugh's big screen debut. Many thanks to Florence for her time and to composer Dan Jones for sending us his cues for Lady Macbeth. Our next E.E. BAFTA rising star is New Yorker Timothy Chalamet. Timothy delivered a tremendous performance as lovestruck Elio in Luca Guadagnino's Call Me By Your Name, cementing a burgeoning reputation forged by movies such as Interstellar and Lady Bird. We spoke in great depth to Luca about the music in Call Me By Your Name in episode 63, which is well worth checking out if you haven't already. And given that Elio is a virtuoso pianist, he revealed how he decided to use renowned piano compositions throughout the film instead of score. Such as this, Frank Glazer's Sonatine Bureaucratique. Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> congratulations uh, on your EE e. BAFTA Rising Star first and foremost. And this is just another fantastic piece of recognition for this wonderful, outstanding role that you have in this incredible film. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it means a lot, and it means a lot coming from BAFTA, and certainly within this category, uh, because um, there's a lot of actors that I've watched and admire that have been in this category before and won it, like Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. So to be an American and included is a, <laughs> is a good feeling. <laughs> and it's voted for by, by the public and this film, Call Me By Your Name, has just connected so beautifully and quite rightly so with, with so many people. Well, that's been probably the most thrilling part about this whole experience is what started as yeah, like a, a, an, almost an exercise in staying as faithful to an adaptation of a book as possible that felt like it had a special place in a lot of people's hearts has now turned into something that when we go to Q&As, it's like a lot of young people and a lot of uh, people that I, I feel like I, I see myself in. Uh, and it's not this film that is exists in a vacuum or only preaches to a certain audience, I think. Thanks to Army and thanks to Michael Stuhlbarg and Luca, it's really like a universally relatable love story. And that's why you see uh, you know everyone getting a really emotional experience out of it. It's just a wonderful journey that your character uh, goes on throughout the film. And um, we, we spoke to your director uh, only a couple of months ago and he was uh, an absolute joy to have on the podcast and he talked very, very highly of you. 
Um, and uh, one of the things that we, we talked about was how you instinctively had this wonderful connection with the musical side of Elio's character and, you know, that being a big part of him. But you kind of embraced that fully. Yeah, I, I mean, music has always been a huge part of my life. And I think for a lot of actors, a lot of creatives, music is a sort of uh, constant inspiration and constant way to keep rhythm within any sort of work and for this role again by way of prescription of what the character was in the novel he was is just a very um talented musician and can transpose music and yeah again uh, i it felt like a prescription of the character and and also I, there's like the good fortune that my mom is a dance teacher and i do come from like a dance family and spent a lot of time like at the school of american ballet growing up because my sister was there so wow. i was roaming around backstage for hours on end as the nutcracker would play out at lincoln center which is my favorite neighborhood in new york Obviously, there's incredible music that Lucas weaved throughout the film, but also there's a few tracks that are part of the narrative as well. The psychedelic forest track, which I think, if nothing else, I think there's a brand new generation of psychedelic forest fans, thanks to Luca, including that in the film. Yeah, I know. I'm so thankful that they you know, let our small independent film get a song like theirs, because as I understand it, obviously I was not around. You know, it was an extremely popular song. <laughs> Part of his reasoning to set the movie in 1983 as opposed to 1988 as it is in the novel was to be able to include the psychedelic furs. And I think there was an idea to put some David Bowie songs in it, but it was budgetarily, they came down too hard on us or something. Mm -hmm. We just said that at a Q&A recently, so I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I'm not getting anybody in trouble. So... Um, <laughs> was your piano playing before you, you got the role because it's fantastic in the film? I worked really hard at it before the movie started. I mean, I had the, I had the basics that I think probably served more uh, as like really a, a, a good foundation than I think. And yet there certainly was a bit of a, uh, any actor would do it you know, propping yourself up in the meetings with Luca, you know, three years, two years a year before the movie when he would say, like, and, and your piano's still good, right? And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, you know, fantastic, you know. Uh, I, it was just, I, it's never been better. 
can't believe you changed it again. Oh, I changed it a little bit. Yeah, why? I just played it the way Buzzoni would have played it if he'd altered Liszt's version. You've worked with some incredible directors in, in this flourishing and, and exciting career so far. I was lucky enough to, um, to I did quite a, an in-depth interview with Christopher Nolan a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and we talked uh, about Interstellar, of course. And it's, what was great about chatting to him was being given the privilege of re-watching his films again, which, you know, we kind of take for granted. And, and watching Interstellar again is just such a fantastic film. That was quite early on, I guess, in your, your career. And I just wanted to ask you briefly about that experience as well. It was incredible. I saw that movie 12 times in theatres. I spent wow. maybe like $160 seeing that movie in theatres. So the, <laughs> the working experience was incredible. I was out there a month and a half. I just finished high school. Chris Nolan was and is my favorite director. You know, I saw The Dark Knight when I was 12 with Gary Oldman, who I'm seeing now a lot, and and who I've who I worship. And uh, and and that's a movie that Heath Ledger's performance in really made me want to act. And then so to shoot Interstellar, I had 10 working days on it. So the working days were great. And then it was tough because then I went to school in the fall. So you know, very very first world problem indeed. And yet. I was like, I can't. I was just working with my favorite director, my favorite, one of my favorite actors in McConaughey. Then the film came out, like I said, I saw it 12 times, and I wasn't in school at that point, and uh, I don't know, that, that movie means everything to me. It's really one of my favorite projects I've been in. I don't know, to get to work with him again would be incredible. I, I, I got to see him recently at the Governor's Awards, and uh, there's, there's like a lot, you know, I feel like the new guy in the room, so I never want to uh, overstay my, my first impressions with anyone. Yeah. Um, but I saw Chris there, and I was just like, I just, I, I loved Dunkirk so much, and I hadn't seen him in three, four years, so I went up to him, and he didn't recognize me at first because I've aged about 13 years since then. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but then we had a great conversation, and it was like it was just so thrilling. You get to talk to him again. I mean, I loved Dunkirk, and and to see Hoytum and Hoytum who shot that film too. Mm-hmm. And that guy's such a badass the way he carries himself. <laughs> it's like such a badass, anyhow. And um, one of my favorite soundtracks as well from Interstellar. Oh, it's so powerful, it's so good. Yeah, the the um, yeah the the Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Yeah. Weirdly, Visions of Gideon, which is a Sofian Stevens song, and Call Me by Your Name. Mm-hmm. The first two keys. In that in that progression of that chorus are the same as the major keys that swell in Interstellar, like the ones that swell in the cornfield chase and at the end of the movie. It's damn near the same.
roommate pointed that out to me, <laughs> independently of me pointing it out to him. So, thank you for you know, pointing out to me. Out and watch, <laughs> and I'm yeah, I'm serious. And 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 watching Call Me by Your Name in a shamefully self-prophesizing way. The first time it's done is, and, and those keys kicked in, and I was like, "What is this career unifying experience right now?" <laughs> no, no. <laughs> awesome. I have loved you for the last time. Is it a video? Is it a video? I have touched you for the last time. Is it a video? Is it a video? For the wonderful laughter of human tears. Is it a video? Is it a video? For the wonderful laughter of human tears. Is it a video? Is it a video? Is it a video? also should deserve a award for the actor who's watched one of his films the most because most of the time you hear actors going oh no I never watch myself but I absolutely love you even oh, oh, more wait, for okay. the fact so, that you right, went so to now, see it right. 12 times so now that, now, now, that you. You say, now you say now that you, exactly now that you it say it like that you, I have yeah. to clarify for any and all for any and all that don't remember I had a small role in Interstellar the, the Chris Nolan story is kind of funny because it's plausible that he would not recognize me which is how the first seven seconds of eye contact went down when I saw him again so uh, and then he said you look oh my god I thought you were Dave Franco is literally what he said so Timothy it's an absolute pleasure chatting to you I really appreciate your time and listen I hope you can make it no, over thank you thanks for having me uh, for BAFTAs and, and you know if you if you get as much love as this film's got with regards to this this award then we may well be seeing you up on that stage. Huge congratulations and huge thanks, Timothy. Thank you. Fantastic. No, thank you for having me on. Thank you. i
track to Call Me By Your Name, that's Words by F.R. David, just one of several contemporary pop songs used by director Luca Guadagnino. Many thanks to Timothy for finding his way to a studio in New York to talk to us, and I simply love that story about his dedication to Interstellar as a paid-up cinema goer. And so to the fourth of our E.E. BAFTA Rising Star nominees, the delightful Tessa Thompson. She's up for her performance as Valkyrie in the wildly entertaining Thor Ragnarok, in which she more than holds her own among a stellar ensemble cast. It follows a string of critically acclaimed roles, including Creed, in which she wrote and performed original music as part of the narrative. The second of our Americans, we managed to track her down on a cell phone somewhere in Los Angeles. But if the sound is a little more sketchy than we're used to, the music certainly is not. Starting with Mark Mothersbaugh's main theme from Thor. First of all, congratulations on the EE Rising Star. It's such a a lovely award, I think, because it just celebrates exceptional talent in in the world of film. And I think uh, in particular over the last couple of years as well, in your roles in Creed and also in, in Thor, the British public in particular have just completely and utterly fallen in love with you. So I hope you feel <laughs> happy about the, uh, the nomination. I really do. I mean... Apart from the fact that any time that I've spent in the UK has been such a dream, <laughs> um, so so I really it, it's a big honor just because I so admire um, the culture there, and I remember taking a trip that I saved up for when I was really young, and just really getting into the classics, into Shakespeare, and spending time in London and seeing plays, and what that meant to me at a real formative time, I think as an actor and as an artist and as a person. So it holds a special place for me. And all of the other actors in this category this year are just so exceptional. I really and truly was blown away by each and every one of them in their performances this year. So it feels really special for that reason too. Yeah, well, congratulations on what you have done so far, which has just been a fantastic body of work and, and also what's ahead as well. But if you wouldn't mind if we just talked about a couple of things, for me, Selma to Creed, War on Everyone, which I loved as well. And we spoke to your director from War on Everyone as well, who was, who was a lot of fun to spend time with. And, and then more recently, Thor. Oh man, I took my nine-year-old son to watch Thor and the pair of us have not enjoyed a film together like that ever, I don't think. It was really special. The humour in it, the action, the characters, all of it. Oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. Yeah, it's been really exciting, particularly with Thor, because lots of people that I work with or know got to see it with their kids like you did 
and really enjoyed that and also means that I have sort of a, a new fan base. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I really like about my work is I get to really access the, the childlike space in myself, just using imagination and getting to play. So it's been really nice to connect with young people over that movie because I'm constantly just trying to get to their place. Uh, imagination and freedom and abandon, and so that's really nice. I've spent years in a haze trying to forget my past. It's a car seemed like the best place to drink and forget and to die one day. Well, I was thinking that you'd drink too much and it probably was going to kill you. I don't plan to stop drinking. Oh, oh. But I don't want to forget. I can't turn away anymore. So, if I'm going to die, well, it may as well be driving my sword through the heart of that murderous hag. Creed was exceptional, I, I have to say, and in particular I thought your role was just fantastic. And, and you got to play music as part of that, that role as well, which is something that's part of your background as well. You, were you in a band or you were you wrote music or you write music, is that right? Yeah, I used, I used to sing in a band for a couple of years, which sort of happened by mistake. Uh, friends of mine <laughs> were in a, in a band. I had a big community of musician friends here in Los Angeles where I live and where I was born. And one woman was meant to show up and sing, and she didn't. And so I got sort of um, into the fray that way. And then when she continued not to show up for a couple of weeks, I ended up playing one of the shows and then continuing to, to play with the band. It was so fun to get to express myself in, a, in another way. You know, I, my father is a musician, so I grew up around musicians and I've always had a real affinity for the kind of expression that you can do in a melodic space. So. And as far as doing that in Creed, it really felt, even though I had done music before, I had always done it in the context of a band and singing with other people. And so this time around, I sing um, by myself to write the music with our fantastic producer, Ludwig Gorson, and to really, in a short space of time, create the voice of a, an original artist um, in the form of Bianco is such a challenge. You see this guy here staring back at you? toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing and I do believe that in life. Okay? Breathe the hand that holds the heart that holds me down. Breathe the feeling that we had is nowhere now. You know, I got the job. It was one of those jobs that you get and then immediately 
you have a sit on your couch and just freak out a little about having to actually do the job. Yeah. Um, and I really love that. I really, I really like those opportunities, those chances when you feel like you're at least breaking new ground for yourself and, and you're a little scared. I generally find that the most exciting way to start a project. another creep yeah yeah we go into production soon i was just sitting with the director last night uh, stephen cable jr who's a brilliant young filmmaker that made a great film called the land um and i think it's really perfect for the movie and one of the great things is i get to write some music again so i go into the studio soon and i'm just really really looking forward to it i feel lucky i get to do it like it's almost combined in combining two things that you you're inspired by and you love you know the idea that for a, a role as an, an actress you also get to not just perform music but you get to write it as well that's a wonderful opportunity yeah it's so cool and also you know there is a funny thing i've seen with musicians wanting to make movies and you see actors sometimes wanting to make music but i yeah. feel like actors kind of get the short end of the stick <laughs> because very often when actors try to make music people are very critical um, whereas typically people are pretty excited to see musicians that they like pop in in a movie, regardless of how well the, the musician does. So it was a fun thing, too, to get to make music under the guise of a character. Yeah. I feel like I was able to circumvent any criticism. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is my dream of mine, which of course is to be a musician. <laughs> everywhere I go, everywhere I share what we just shared. Everywhere I go, there's pieces of you there. 
I was going to say, have you, have you got hidden dreams to play, I don't know, Madison Square Gardens or uh, I don't know what the equivalent in LA is. The Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, there we go. Come on, Tessa, aim high. Or, or the Greek Theater. Yeah, the Greek, yeah. Or may not. <laughs> yeah, the Greek. Both of those. Both of those would be incredible. Yeah, in my, you know, in my imagination, of course. I mean, I think that's the beauty, particularly of some of these big acts and certainly the people that I've growing up admiring like Prince or Bowie and now Beyonce is you watch those people and pretend to be them in your mind there's something very <laughs> vicarious about the way that we watch those incredible performers and I'm so happy to see the growth of Bianca you know I'm inside her so it's hard to be partial but I'm really rooting for her yeah. in terms of her career because there is a timeline on it but I think that there's something really special about her and about her music and so we'll see what, what it brings in this, in this next chapter of, of the franchise. general and I wanted to ask whether it's something that you tap into to help you discover a character in terms of preparation or that kind of thing or even just to switch off as well in terms of do you do you use music in that sense as well yeah I mean uh, music is so big for me so I use it in every which way it, it, it can be used but certainly with characters making playlists for them I, I always begin with music it's really useful sometimes it can be a shorthand i was listening to um my friend mahershala ali talk about how he balanced all of these characters that he was playing because when he was making moonlight he was also working on a television show he was working on characters who were very very different at the time and he talked about how instrumental music was to him that it created sort of a roadmap and that's something that I really sympathize with. That's been something that's been really key for me. That's why it was so fun. One of the reasons it was so fun to work on for Ragnarok because Taika Waititi, our director, really loves music and was playing it all the time on set. 
And I think that there is something energetically that's so fantastic about use of music. And so I use, you know, music in my headphones with Valkyrie pumping myself up for some of those big fight things. And then also just pop around on set all the time and they'd be playing Talking Heads. And just, it was, you know, made this set so electric and so fun. is a neighbour of mine. He lives just up the road, so I see him quite often in our local coffee shop. And we were talking, they, he started filming the, the last Thor film, and we were talking about the very same thing about he was he was just chatting about how he'd been listening to The Prodigy to uh, try and kind of get in that headspace. And I love the idea of, of all these characters within these Marvel films going for specific tracks and walking about with their headphones on, ready to shoot. <laughs> well, Tom is a fun one because he really loves music. Yeah. And so sometimes he'd come in for a particular scene and be like, okay, I think it's set to this song. <laughs> and he would play the song. We would blast the song out loud. Yeah, totally. Well, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to let you go because I know your time is very precious and we, I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're shooting at the minute as well. So thank you um, so much for taking the time to chat and hopefully we can meet you face to face when you come over for the BAFTAs if you in fact are able to make it over but I wish you all the best of luck for the EE Rising Star and also excited about what we see in the future it really means a lot to me so thanks for taking the time alright Tessa take care thank you so much bye Soundtrack to Creed, for which Tessa Thompson provided original music, that's Waiting for My Moment by Vince Staples, Jen Arco and Donald Glover. Thanks to Tessa for speaking to us. I really did adore Thor Ragnarok, as did my nine-year-old son. Our final EE BAFTA rising star is Josh O'Connor. Josh has been nominated for his role in God's Own Country, in which he plays a Yorkshire farm worker, Johnny, who embarks on a voyage of self-discovery when Romanian migrant Alec arrives to help for lambing season. 
Though there's next to no music in the film, it does feature tracks by the brilliant A Winged Victory for the Sullen, including this, the wonderfully titled Minuet for a Cheap Piano Number no. 2. Josh, congratulations, first of all, on your Rising Star nomination. Thank you. Well, you're no, yeah. you're no um, stranger to nominations and awards because you've already won an award for this incredible performance for God's Own Country and a yeah. nomination as well for, for the British Independent Film Awards. Yeah, before this film, <laughs> I'd never won anything except for... Um, Class personality in year seven when I was well 11. done. Yeah, that's a huge one. What did you have to do for that? Clearly, nothing to do with academia because they have like academic awards and then like student personality. That's what I got. You're a good person. Yeah, that's good. what they're trying to tell you. Yeah. Um, but this film and this role in particular has really made people pay attention to, to you. It's, yeah. it's a leading role for you as well, and it's such a beautiful, honest performance in, in such an incredible film. Was that pretty? Obvious? obvious to you from the script going into it? Yeah, I think, because I kind of came across this script, well, I think just like normal way, agents sent it to me and, and I just started reading the script and, and saw this character is so self-loathing and I just kept thinking like, we're following this character in the story and I'm hating him you know, but obviously by the end of reading that, that narrative, you kind of see that he goes on a full circle and has this huge journey, emotional kind of arc Yeah. I was really interested by like, how do we how do you, as an actor, portray a character that audiences from the offset have to want to change? Yeah. That really excited me. So it was always, as soon as I started reading that script, I was like, I have to do this. It's a very silent film as well. There's Patrick Wolf's song at the end. Yeah. And then there's two bits of very subtle... Tiny um, little... Winged Victory of the Sun, I yeah. think they're called. Really yeah. cool. But it's kind of weird because I, I read that you lived on a farm for a couple of weeks to get your head around his world, you yeah. know, and, and stuff like that. And it is so isolating and it's so lonely. Did you listen to much music whilst you were doing that in terms of feeling like you had you know, yeah. company? It's, it's funny because it's like, because <laughs> oh, I always have a pl like a pretty hefty playlist for every character. Do you? Yeah, like... So you make the play... Curated playlist. Yeah, I take it very That's seriously. That's awesome. Yeah, so I have this... Um, I have like a very set method about how I approach any character. So I've got like a whole scrapbook of images of like stuff, material you can touch. Yeah. Oh, so wow. for this, there was like 
smells in it, like manure, <laughs> like everything in this book. Still got it, it stinks. But um, wow, yeah, it's really cool. Kind of, I like working in that that way, and and part of that is having a. Uh, playlist. Yeah. So for this, I started off with a playlist pre going up to Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. When I got to Yorkshire and started working on this farm outside Keithley, I was just like, "You have a playlist as an actor, but then it's like, well, I've got to have a playlist for Johnny Saxby, the character. Yeah. He wouldn't be listening. You know, he wouldn't be listening to After Clang because <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah. know him. Suddenly I was just like, okay, so who might he have listened to and who would he be willing to share? I remember thinking, uh, growing up, a cool band for an angry teenager was someone like Korn. Yeah. Angry, angry music. And I was like, well, maybe Johnny would listen to that. Something takes a part of me Something lost and never seen Every time I start to believe he listen to in private compared to what he listens to socially yeah so then you have this really interesting dynamic and so you start listening to like as an actor i was using um there's this amazing max richter recomposed the vivaldi four seasons yeah Yeah. so brilliant Mm -hmm. and so filmic and cinematic and it's sound So I had that and I was like, well, actually, I wonder if Johnny maybe stumbled across this from something on TV and he listens to this in private. Mm -hmm. So that was a really important piece of music to me in in the kind of development. talk like that about about music and how that helps form your bringing to life of that character that's incredible well, it's weird it's weird because I, I had this teacher at school because I'm dyslexic and I like I have a I, I always was trying to find different ways of approaching like scripts and stuff and yeah it's just not easy for me to learn lines and 
which is really important part of your being an actor. <laughs> yeah. um, and and find it hard to like read scripts and engage in scripts. So I was taught to listen to music, and it weirdly frees up your brain. Mm -hmm. You're sort of distracted, and it means you can focus a bit better. So I've always associated music to words, and then that kind of informs performance stuff. I, I think it's really important. Yeah. wonderful collection of people that you work with and I love hearing about how you mm. you learn as well from every project and you learn from people and you not yeah. just directors but but actors that you've worked with as well and you talked about um watching Killian Murphy and, and learning a lot from him but then working on a couple of films with Stephen Frears yeah um, who you talk really highly Steve, of. yeah Stephen's like it's weird because I didn't do an awful lot with him like we did two films the first film was about Lance Armstrong and it was the first audition I've, I'd ever gone into where I didn't have to read anything. I just walked in, he looked at me, and he was like, well, you look like a cyclist. And then he went and put on that little... I put on that one of those tight Lycra T-shirts in front of him. And he was like, yeah, can you do an American accent? I was like, yeah. And he went, OK, well, you can do the part then. The easiest like, audition ever. This is the best, yeah, it's like the dream. <laughs> and then I did a little bit on that, and then I did a little bit on Florence. I mean, I, as a cinema fan, like, I, I adore his films, but just watching how he works, there's such an ease mm -hmm. and such an understanding of the world of the film and the narrative and the characters. I just, I kind of, I'm in awe of him. The programme's got a really interesting electronic score by Alex Hefts, too. Yeah, really yeah. hugely influential to me and just the, the actors that he kind of groups together Ben Foster in the program was um, incredible and yeah. obviously Meryl Streep was <laughs> quite good isn't she yeah. Yeah. how um, do you cope with that turning up for work on a day and it's like oh morning Meryl that was quite hard because actually <laughs> I had a little scene with Meryl and um, it's not in the film it wasn't even really a scene, but she was there <laughs> anyway. And I was, I'd just been to Glastonbury for the first time ever oh, wow. that weekend. And so I arrived on the Monday after Glastonbury. A little bit weary. And I was like, oh, it's, yeah, a little bit weary. <laughs> and I stood opposite Marsh Street and I was like, oh, this is probably not the best time to have gone to Glastonbury. But she was, and it was cut, probably. That's probably why, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so you just, I think it's, I think it's the best thing I've ever learned. Yeah, the, the most I've learned from anyone, from kind of any method or teacher has been from just watching other actors and yeah I'm lucky to work with people like Killian Murphy and Hugh Grant who I really rate I love yeah. Hugh Grant I'm yeah. massive Hugh Grant yeah, totally. so, have yeah. you seen Paddington too yet no I can't wait he's phenomenal Paddington, he's amazing yeah. he's amazing I, mean, I kind just... of love the idea and he did it, did it in um, Florence that like I really like the idea of Hugh Grant almost taking the mick out of himself yeah. playing like the failed actor he's not a failed actor but like I just think he's he's a comic genius to yeah. me. Yeah. What's next? There's a couple of um, 
couple of projects. You can't talk about. I can't it. talk. Yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> Anything but, you can't. Um, <laughs> no, I think there's. Um, I'm going to be doing a, f- uh, a couple of features in 2018 that I think are really cool and really different from Gods and Country. I just think for me right now, I'm just kind of loving working with different people and filmmakers are so completely different. I've just finished on a film with a first-time filmmaker called Harry Whitcliffe. Yeah. And it's me and Lia Costa. And okay, I think yeah. Lia was up for this award last year, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for Victoria. And she's she's exceptional, and we've just done this beautiful film. So hopefully that will be with everyone soon. Brilliant. Um, listen, I, I really wish you all the best with, with the E.E. Wise and Star. I think it's absolutely wonderful that you've been recognised for this yeah, this, cool. this beautiful film and this really special role as well. And... Man, I'm excited about the future. Thanks. Yeah, Josh, really lovely chat to you. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thank you. Credits to God's Own Country, that's The Days by Patrick Wolfe. Rounding off this very special episode of soundtracking with all five of the EE BAFTA Rising Star nominees. My huge thanks to Josh, Tessa, Timothy, Florence and Daniel for taking the time to talk to us and we wish them all the very best of luck for the award. Don't forget to vote for your EE Rising Star. Head to ee.co.uk forward slash BAFTA to cast your vote. There's a full track list for the tracks you've just heard in the order they appear via edithbowman.com which is also the place to subscribe to the podcast and catch up with all of our previous episodes. Join us at iTunes too if you'd prefer. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK where you'll find details of a very tempting prize package and how you can go about winning it. Soundtracking in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. Next week, I'll be talking to director Joe Wright, whose passion for music is absolutely infectious. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Mm-hmm.